Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. King, your career and family's longevity in racing is truly remarkable. What does this milestone 75 years mean to you? <laughs> means I'm old. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I guess it's sort of a deal that we look back and say, okay, we're, we was here when it all started, when NASCAR first started the first Cup Series racing, and uh, we've seen all the changes ever since they first started. I know the first two or three races we went to, uh, we went in a family car, we went in a race car, drove it to the racetrack. When it was over, we drove home. That's that's how much things have changed. And we've seen all those changes over the years. And uh, we've done it from the family standpoint. My dad started the thing. I come along. Kyle come along. Adam come along. And my brother, you know, he was there. Uh, Dale Inman, cousin. It's been it's been a family affair, and the deal was I was the one that was out front. They, uh, from a standpoint that all I did was drive the race car. Uh, some worked on it some, but it's all the people that we had around us that made it work. So I've never done anything by myself. I've always had somebody pushing me, making making me do things. So it's just been a long a long road, and it's been very successful for the Petty family. What were you feeling when you saw that first King's hat unveiled out there? <laughs> Made me get the big head, okay, because <laughs> the hat's pretty big. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's really a neat deal uh, from the standpoint that it'll be at all the tracks. Fans, Petty fans, other fans, all NASCAR fans can get the picture took with it. And, you know, it, it just, from my standpoint, it, it just continues to hook me up that much more with NASCAR. And Kyle, you've talked a lot about what the fans mean yeah. to the Petty family. What does it mean to share this with all the fans over the past 75 years? So, you know, it's 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 really cool because when you look at it, uh, the design that's on the hat that's out here is, um, you know, it's, it's pictures of my Uncle Maurice. It's my granddad. It's Adam. It's myself. Um, it's all of us. And, 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 and I think you've got a, it's, it's pretty cool when we sat down and, and we realized that this year was our 75th, that, you know, NASCAR was formed in 48, ran the first race, granddaddy was there, that it was, um, you know, he was 12, 13 years old when they were in that first race. So we, it's, it's pretty cool that you've got a guy that's still around that was 12 or 13 years old when they went to Darlington for the first time, when, my granddad won his championships and stuff, and my dad came along. So you've got that history in our family. At the same time, you know, there's there's guys that have had an impact on the sport from from Jake Elder, who went to work at, at, at Petty Enterprises, or from my granddad and them in 60, 61 when I was born that went on to win championships with Dale Earnhardt, uh, Steve Mill, Tony Glover, uh, Adam Stevens that's out there right now. All these guys come through Petty Enterprises. So what Petty Enterprises and, and the organization – has meant to the sport as you look out. Um, it's not just us, but it's 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 really cool to think that 
as a family, and that, that's what we look at it is, and I, I've said it a million times to everybody in this room, we grew up in rural North Carolina in a rural community where there were farmers, and there were lots of farmers that were third and fourth generation farms. We just happened to raise race cars on our farms. Um, and my dad followed my granddad, and I followed him, and, and Adam came along, and, you know, it's just, it's just what we always did and what we always knew, and we were very, very blessed to be in a sport and to be able to grow with the sport through the years. And, you know, this, to be able to, to do this, and I set it out there, is, and, I, and, and I, I think most, uh, a lot of guys in here already know this, but, you know, as we looked at the Petty family and you look at that one thing, then, then the hat, the sunglasses, that stands out. That stands out more than anything else, and that represents what we've done and what he's done and what our family has done. But <clears throat> I said it out there. I said, you know, I look at him, and, and I, I hope some of you guys, again, realize it, that he's 86, will be 87 this year, and if he didn't, if he had never driven a race car, he would still be that guy that had bought a ticket to the Daytona 500 every year since 1959 because he's just a race fan. Uh, and I think that, in, in a nutshell, is what our family is, too. Um, we've just always been race fans. So you, you can put yourself in that position to say, man, what a great sport and what a great, great thing to be in. And um, we just we're fortunate and very blessed to be here for this many years. If you drove the family car down, it was the same car that was in the race. What was plan B in case that car ever got in a wreck? We never had nothing but plan A. <laughs> there was no plan B. <laughs> and also, how many times in your career did you do, uh, were convertibles mixed in with the, the regular cars? And just what was that like? Because that, that had to be fairly intimidating well, to be out uh, there in a convertible. What happened in the uh, middle of, I've turned... 21 July of 58, <clears throat> and I want to start driving. So, but they didn't want two cars in the same race because we we couldn't make the same money, okay? And he said, you go run the convertibles, and I'll run the hard tops. And then there was a few races uh, that we ran together. And then even in 59, uh, there was... Uh, a bunch of two two race deals, convertibles and hard dogs. In fact, the first race at Daytona had convertibles and hard dogs, and uh, so that kind of ended the convertibles, especially on the big tracks. But uh, you know, nobody really realized it. I guess they did realize it, but didn't think that much about it. Uh, cars, hard tops run like 12, 14 mile an hour faster than the convertibles did. So, but anyhow, after 59, then I started doing the cup stuff. So, but really, uh, the first win I ever had was in a convertible in 1959 at, at um, Columbia, South Carolina. But that's not counted in because all my stuff is cup stuff. And really, uh, if you look at it, a lot of people don't think that I run that many hardtop races in 59. It was really 1960s when my career really started and got, got going. Go ahead, Jacob. Jacob Zuman, Race Face Digital. Uh, one, I guess, really for both of you, and then I'll follow up with Richard. Uh, you, Richard, you won the race seven times, the 500. Of those seven, and Kyle, you can maybe chime in on this as well, which one to you was the most memorable? 
the ones I lost, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 67, uh, 76 with Pearson. You know, that that thing really sticks. Uh, and I, I guess I probably is re probably remembered as much about that race that fans do as all the seven that I won. And probably out of the seven races that we won, uh, we probably should have won maybe four of them. Three of them, somebody else had trouble and stuff. But on the other hand, there's probably three or four we should have won, but we had trouble. So we was lucky enough to run enough races over a period of time to uh, to be able to kind of even that out. Yeah, for for me, watching his wins, um, then 79 is the one that stands out. And, and I, I think we had, you know, there were moments, if we go back to, and, and we'll go back to 61 when my granddad wrecked here. Um, and, and a lot of people forget that he went over the wall in turns one during the first race. And then my granddad um, went over the wall in the second race. But basically, my, my dad and my Uncle Maurice and those guys went back to level across North Carolina, busted, broke, out of business. Um, and that was it uh, because they had no cars. They had nothing and my granddad was down here in the hospital, and my grandmother was living in a motel um, waiting for my grandfather. So 79 was the same kind of thing in a little bit different way because come off a really bad year in 78, um, and a lot of people don't remember until you see the photo, but it didn't have STP all over that car. It had Southern Pride car wash uh, down the side of it. it. had STP on it, and it was painted red and blue, uh, but it was not a true STP car um, to to win that race. And the way that race won, and and the way it it was, we didn't we had had fewer people working at the race shop because we'd cut our budget. Um, Steve Mill, Richie Bars, uh, put that Oldsmobile body on there, and we did it. And it's one of the first cars I was fortunate enough to be able to work on and help them build. So I took a lot of pride in in working on your dad's car and it coming and winning the Daytona 500, no matter how it won. Um, but if you go back to it, I think that that race, in a lot of ways, epitomized what Petty Enterprise was, and that they never gave up. You just kept digging. When the sponsor money wasn't exactly what it should be, when the car wasn't the fastest car, you ran every lap until it was over, because it's not over until they throw the checkered flag. Um, and that day uh, was a huge day for, for mm -hmm. our family and for our business. And real quickly, Richard, what's it mean just to see the tribute scheme on on Jimmy's car this week as he tries yeah, to get back I, in the 500? I think that's a big big deal. Uh, it's a pretty blue car. Uh, and uh, I think uh, I won a couple of races with a pretty blue car down here, so we're looking forward to seeing what's it. But it, just a, a tribute back to Legacy is bringing in what Legacy is just a name. If it's got to have... It's got to have a legacy. It's got to have something behind it. So they decided to sort of bring some of our past back to legacy, which I th thought they should have done before. <laughs> We're going to go to Mark and then Dan, then Ben and Stephen. I'm Mark Garrow, PRN. Kyle, it, you grow up, and it's the family deal to race. So you're a little kid. You're kind of watching this as, as you grow. When did you begin to realize it was a bigger deal than you understood to begin with, and your dad was a bigger deal uh, <clears throat> than you first understood. Yeah, and you know what? Probably older. 
I've, 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 I've joked about it, but I've, I was serious. I was probably, I was in elementary school before I realized everybody's dad didn't have a race car because pretty much everybody I knew, their dad had a race car. You know, that's kind of the way it was. Um, but I don't think I realized until, and, and I, I remember we went to um, Greenville Pickens and took um, Dennis MacArthur with me, friend of mine, and he was just blown away with the race cars. And Jabe Thomas let me wax his race car. <laughs> Richard Petty wouldn't let me touch his race car, but Jabe Thomas let me wax his race car and hang out with him. But, but the thing was, then you realize that your friends thought your dad was a pretty cool deal and, and a pretty big deal. Um, and I think it was, it was not that I ever realized it, but it's that the way people acted towards him um, and the way people acted in restaurants and you would walk in. I mean, you know, it was... We just grew up where you were, when you'd sit down in a restaurant to eat, 80% of the people would be staring at you. And you're always like, what, I got some, got some <laughs> of my teeth? What's up? You know? and, and, and they were so polite because they would wait until he got through eating, and then they would come over and ask for an autograph. But it was just, and I know that sounds weird, but it was your normal. It, you know what I mean? So I don't think, I think it just kind of, it kind of evolved into that where you realized um, that what he did was a little bit different and what we, we did as a family was a little bit different. We're going to go to Dan and then Ben. Hi, Richard. Um, you, you mentioned how nice it is that Jimmy's going to pay tribute to you on the car. Uh, I'm wondering how you feel now at Legacy. Uh, you know, last year when you were here, you seemed a little, like, hurt over how things were going with the team and with Jimmy What's this past? How's the relationship changed, if at all, over the past year? Remember, every question that's asked, you don't have to answer. Ah. <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> what, do you, did you hear him? He said last year he thought you you were a little uneasy with where Legacy was. Are you okay with it now? Well, I'm a little bit better, especially once they painted the car blue. <laughs> okay, but, that blue color hides uh, a lot, bud. <laughs> no. Uh, I guess basically everything was so new when we had the conference went here last year. You know I mean? And there's been a lot of questions answered since then. So I think I've got a, a little bit more comfortable with it. It's not like what I'd like to see it, but from my standpoint, it's a lot better on my end of it anyway. I'm going to go to Ben and then Stephen. Uh, ben White with the Fayetteville Observer. Uh, actually, got two quick ones. Okay, you, you won 200 races, and this is probably the millionth time you've been asked this, but I'm going to ask it again. You won against David Pearson, Bobby Allison, Buddy Baker, Kale Yarborough, Benny Parsons. What does it mean to you personally to have won 200 races against the greatest stock car drivers in the world? Has it? What does it mean to you? <laughs> you know, it, it, it just happened, okay? Yeah. I just... I just happened to be there at the same time they was, or they happened to be at the same time I was. I wasn't there with with Earnhardt's or you know Gordon's, uh, Jimmy Johnson. You mean so? How would I have fired against them, or how would they have fired against me? But if you look at the people you just brought out, those people won more races than these people are ever going to go to. You know, put together, and they did it in. A, what, a 12, 15-year period. And so NASCAR started off, and it had Ali Petty, Fireball Roberts, 
had had a few guys. Okay, they carried it along for 10 or 12 years, and I've said this before. Then me and Pearson, Allison's, Bakers, all them guys, we came along and we carried it for a while. Okay, then Earnhardt comes along, he carries it for a while. Jeff Gordon carries it for a while. Jimmy Johnson carries it for a while. We're looking right now, we're looking for somebody to carry it. Mm-hmm. And right now we don't have anybody. Gotcha. That's my personal opinion on on that. Uh, we've got some we've got some good candidates, but nobody's broke out and got themselves just a little bit better than anybody else. Everybody's pretty even now. So from one standpoint, it's good. From another standpoint, it's it's always good to to have a fox out in front for the hounds to all run for. Gotcha. Okay, second question real quick. 1979, everybody's talked about, everybody's asked Donnie and, and Kale before he passed away, what went through their mind when they're at the bottom of turn three after they crashed, but nobody's really asked you what went through your mind when you looked up and said, holy cow, they're at the bottom of turn three. So what went through your mind in 79 when suddenly you're in the lead and you're going to win the, the Daytona 500? What well, went through I had mind? to worry about Daryl, okay, yeah. because Daryl and myself and Fort was a little behind. Uh, we was running for third place, and all of a sudden I get to the, the third corner and I'm running for first place, but I didn't run any harder for first place than I would for third place. And it just happened that we was in the right place at the right time under the right circumstances. But I, I don't think I, I didn't think about winning the race as much as I thought about beating Daryl. I had to be the first of that crowd, and uh, so happens that it was number one instead of number three. We're gonna go to Stephen and Steve. Stephen Toronto, CBS Sports. I'll pose this question to both of you because, Kyle, you mentioned at the beginning, you, you referenced Randleman. And when I got the opportunity to visit Randleman years ago, I could really get a sense of how much Petty Enterprises and the Petty family in general uh, contributed to and built up the community. Can you talk a bit about um, how the rise of Petty Enterprises and all that your family has done in the community built up the community from what it was to what it is now? <clears throat> you know, it's, it, Randleman was a mill town. Um, the, the city itself is a mill town. Um, and the surrounding area is farm community. Um, and it still is today, and to, to a large degree. The mills have gone away, uh, as they have in a lot of southern towns. But um, it's still community. And I, I think that's the deal. And I've said it a million times, is, you know, there's... what he did and what our family did put the put the name randleman on the map in a lot of ways because it's just a crossroads it's just a a small town um and but at the same time it is it's that place that we go back to that he goes back to and I've, i've you've heard me say it where he's richard not richard petty he's richard and i'm kyle and that was Lee, and that was Elizabeth, and that was Maurice, and that was Adam. That, that's just your name. Nobody, nobody referred to you as your double name, as your last name, you know? And, and you walk out through there, and they scream Richard Petty, you know what I mean? Or they, they scream your name, but they just call you by your first name because you went to school with them, and they went to school. I, he went to school with their parents. I went to school with the kids. So that's part of it. And I, I don't think we ever looked at it 
we were just part of the community. And I think the community looked at us the same way. I don't think they ever looked at us. They thought we were weird because we had race cars <laughs> because they did other stuff. But it, it's not that you didn't fit in because that's where you always went home to. Um, you know, we, we've said it a million times. You travel all over the world and all over the country, but there's no place like going back to Randolph County and Randleman, North Carolina, um, because that's where you're from, and that's where you're always going to be from. Um, and when it's all over with, that's where they're going to sort of going to put us in the ground at, um, because that's that's where we that's who we are. And I, I think that's the that's the thing that for us, and as we talked out there with, with the fans and stuff. That's the community we live in. This was the community we worked in. Uh, with all those guys in the garage area, uh, with all the NASCAR officials, with all you guys in the press um, that was always here, that was the community. We just went from level cross to inside a fenced-in area, inside a racetrack somewhere in Martinsville, Virginia, or Daytona Beach, Florida, or Bristol, Tennessee. And then you went back to your regular community. So I don't think, I don't think he ever looked at it or we ever looked at it that we were just – we just grew up in that community. That's who we were. That's it. Thank you, guys. We'll go to Steve and then Mike and Dustin. Steve Schweitzer with Alaska Press. Um, and maybe you can both comment on this. I, um, I came here for the first time in 1973. Uh, you parked in the dirt and the grass out front. Uh, you walked up to a shack to buy your ticket. Uh, you walked through a chain link fence to get inside to climb up the grandstand and take a seat and watch the race. And if you go out front today, obviously, you know, an awful lot has, has happened here. Do you remember the first time that you came to the track and what your impression, you know, was? Uh, two different generations there. Just curious how that uh, um, appeared to you. Yeah, the first time we came down here, 1959, we came through the tunnel, had a pickup truck, had a race car on a trailer behind us, and went through the tunnel and... It was just nothing in the infield. I mean, there was a lake out there, but you couldn't see it. But the, the number one and two corner looked like a wall, but it looked like it was two or three miles away. I mean, it was just over-impressive, I guess. Darlington, we'd seen Darlington, but we grew up around Darlington, so Darlington was just a bigger racetrack than what we'd been. We came here, it was just a whole different world. And you got to figure... When he came out of town, he came into a swamp, and there was a racetrack. There was nothing out here. I mean, it's two-lane road out front, and there was no buildings, no none of this stuff that was out here in the day. Like you said, you've seen it grow up. You know, we've seen it grow up from 1959. And from that standpoint, when Daytona was built, then it opened this whole part of the country up as far as, New businesses coming this way, drain the swamp and all that. So uh, it wasn't Trump draining the swamp; it was Francis. <laughs> they drained this swamp. So uh, you know, the the things that we've seen change since 1959 is more than you've seen, because we were here for the very first race, and uh, you know they didn't even have a garage area. We parked out. It rained one night, and we had to. <laughs> we had to come out and get our tools, stuff, wipe them all off because everything was wet. But it was better than anything we'd ever seen before. So we took it as being the number one. And it's just like now, you come down here now and you come back in 10 years, 
it's going to be so much different, you're not going to recognize it. Yeah, I think I, for me, you know, they came here in 59. I was born in 60 um, and started coming here. And if for not many of you, probably none, um, where they used to be um, where halfway where the start-finish line is in the infield was a score stand, um, and that's where they, they scored. And my grandmother and my mom would score, and it was a four-sided scoreboard. If you've ever seen old pictures of it, it's a four-sided scoreboard where it would go around. Um, and under the four-sided scoreboard was a playground with um, some swing sets and a sliding board and some stuff. And all the, all the wives would dump the kids under the scoreboard, and that's where we were. And one of them would come down and bring us some sandwiches or get us a Coke, and they'd leave us in there, and as soon as the race was over, they'd come back and gather us up, and we'd go to the car, and then we'd head back to the hotel, and then we'd go home. And, you know, I thought it was the coolest place in the world, racetrack with a playground. You know what I mean? Couldn't be anything cooler than that. And it had a beach, too, and an ocean. Um, every, every racetrack didn't have that. So that was, that was our, our little world when we, we – we didn't know whether it was a big track or a little track or, or whatever when you're five, six, seven years old. Um, the longer you were around it, then you begin to understand what Daytona was and what Daytona meant to the sport. And, you know, he and I did a thing not long ago um, for, for NASCAR, and it's, it's you know, Daytona kind of ushered in the speedway era of the sport um, because then you had Atlanta and you had Charlotte and you had a, 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 over the next eight or ten years speedways that were built, not short track speedways that were built. And it was 30 years later before they came back and they started building Texas and Kansas and all that. So it was, it was just a phase in the sport when the sport really took off. So it, it has changed. It has changed drastically, and it will continue to change. And we had a conversation with, with uh, Jim today. We were talking to him. And I'm, I, was, I was in Vegas a couple weeks ago for the week before the Super Bowl um, when everybody was at um, – at, at the Coliseum, and I was given a speech, and I spoke about how NASCAR has always been, and the sport has always been able to shift and change and be whatever it needed to be at that time, whether it was the 50s, whether it was the 60s, with the, with the manufacturers, whether it was the 70s, when, when you had the fuel crisis and R.J. Reynolds came into the sport, whether you had the 80s or 90s. Um, and as I'm giving this speech, NASCAR announces – hey, we're going to run this race on Saturday night because it's going to rain on Sunday. And they're willing to shift and willing to move and make the sport whatever it needed to be at that time. And I think that's what, as, as he speaks about this place, what we see today, you probably won't recognize in 10 or 15 years because they have done and continue to do, whether it's with this car, with whatever, it just continues to be whatever it needs to be. Um, to be relevant and to be successful. Um, and I think that's, that's a tribute to, to not only the competitors, but the people in the front office and the fans for, for sticking with it and for you guys for, for still caring about it and writing about it and telling people about it. Go up front to Mike and then to Dustin. Richard, as far as I know, you were not born with a cowboy hat on. <laughs> Do you remember when that started? Right here. See, he points at me. 
Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Richard, for all the talk of all your wins, what did it mean to see your son win races, like here in 79 in the ARCA race and all his other victories? You know, it, it was probably more enthused about him winning than me because by the time he came along, I'd been won a bunch of races. So it wasn't just a, a regular deal. It was special to win races, don't get me wrong. But when you got a son coming along and he wins races, then that's really special. And uh, I guess the first cup race he won was in Richmond, Virginia. And he was running along there fifth or sixth. And Earnhardt and them, they all crash. He winds up winning the race. And so the, we got a picture of me in the car. Um, my dad won a race up there. And I'm sitting in the car. Okay. Then I, I come along, I win races. Then I had a son to come along, win at the same racetrack. That made it, even though it was his first cup race, it was very, very special for us to all three, uh, three generations won at the same racetrack. What was it like to make Dad proud? You know, I don't think you think about it at that time. You know, I don't think I thought about it until after Adam come. Um, and and it's it's so funny, you know. I I am because, you know, I, I'm I didn't win a lot of races, but I won a few races. And and I I will get, be asked a lot, um, what are the most important races? Your biggest wins, and my biggest win was '79 when he won here because I felt like I had built that car. I felt like that was the first car they let me weld on. That was the first car they let me put inner panels in. That's the first car they let me do things with. Um, I'd done things before, but you were 17, 18 years old, and you helped Richie and, and Steve build that car. Um, that win, and then Adam went in that ARCA race at Charlotte. Those are the two greatest wins that I'll ever experience in my whole life. 
Um, I could have won this race 20 times, and those still two would rank more because the guy I love uh, as a dad and as a hero to help him win something and then to come along and be able to help your son win something and do something mm -hmm. too, those were there's big moments in my life, uh, really big moments. So, um, you know, I, I, and I, I never thought about me until Adam. And I will say that. Jerry Jordan, kicking the tires.net. I don't know if you know how many cowboy hats you've ever had or worn. Do you? <laughs> do you? No, not really. I usually keep twelve or fifteen around. You know, <laughs> so you wear them a while, and, and I'll autograph them, and we give them give them away for auctions and stuff for charity deals. So. There's been hundreds of them, I know that. I will say this. Everybody in our family has a grandfather clock from Martinsville and a cowboy hat from Richard Petty. Okay? <laughs> so just do the math on that. So there's 28 of these these statue hats that are going to be scattered around at NASCAR tracks. How much input do you get on what they're going to look like? And have you seen... Well, the, no, the, way, it, the way it is, the, I think the, the hats come plain. And then each racetrack puts their special stuff on it. I mean, when we come back here for July the 4th, this one here, around July the... Yeah, the July race in October. Yeah, they change it. But anyhow, for the you summer race, then it'll, have, it'll be wrapped different. It'll yeah. look a little bit different. Okay. So every race, every race and every hat will be a little bit different yeah. because they are advertising their racetrack. Yeah. They're not advertising Richard Petty. You know what I mean? They're using... They're using that hat to advertise yourself with, yeah. so it helps me and it helps them. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool because it, you you know when we go to Martinsville, there'll be photos of him in Martinsville victory lane, Granddaddy winning at Martinsville. Um, that when we go to Bristol, it'll be the same thing. When you go to Talladega, it'll be the same type thing. So it's all, and it's whether it's the spring race or the fall race or the summer race, whatever it may be. So the racetracks have really, um, really gotten behind it. Russell Branham helped do this one um, and did a great job picking picking the photos and doing the stuff. And um, it's pretty cool. It was really cool. To, knew what was coming, but when you see it, um, it it's really, uh, it's, really uh, it, it's just different. It's just cool. I'm going to wrap up with Deb. Deb Williams, Auto Week. Kind of back to what you were talking about earlier about community and growing up there. Richard... Kyle, the, fam the Petty family has always been community service oriented, giving back to the community. When you had the fan club days, you raised money for the ball fields and what was needed there. Victory junctions on Petty family land. At Richard, you were a county commissioner. Linda was on the board of education. Where does that all come from to the belief and teaching to give back to the community? <laughs> It just happened. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I think probably you sat, sat, sat around and, and got to thinking, look how fortunate yep. I was to be able to go and do, make a little bit of money from time to time, and then come back and be able to help people in the community. And it was just something that I think probably Linda Gill, my wife, was probably one that, that pushed us to get started in the thing. And uh, it's just been a, a family a family tradition that uh, we're we're so much fortunate that a lot of people around us 
especially Randolph County is probably the cheapest county in uh, in North Carolina. And uh, but it, it's not only in the county. We try to help a lot of different ways. We got the Pity Foundation. You know I mean they? We do a lot of stuff with the Paralyzed Veterans of America. Uh, you know, just whatever. I guess whatever comes in front of us. I mean, the hats and stuff we'll give away for a heart foundation, do one for an eye foundation, you know, kidney foundation, whatever. But it's something that we can give and do and help somebody uh, that it, it just makes you feel good, okay? And, you know, it's one of the deals that I always felt like if I give away enough stuff, somebody will give me some stuff too, and and that's a, the good Lord seen seen fit for that. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and honestly, I think, it, it, and I said it before, it just comes from our, the community. It comes from being growing up in that community. It comes from, you know, where my dad lives now. There was a gentleman who lived across the road, Mr. Evans. Mr. Evans had the only hay baler in our part of the county, and Mr. E- Evans would bale everybody's hay. He just came out and bailed everybody's hay. Uh, whether it was my uncles, Uncle Bottles, uh, any farmer that was around, he just bailed your hay. Um, and that's what they did. When a farm, when a barn burnt down, everybody got together and built a barn. Um, we had go back to the race shop, uh, and he'll tell you, there were countless farmers and guys would bring their plows, would bring their tractors just up to be worked on um, because he couldn't, didn't take, couldn't take them anywhere. So we'd weld them up or put them back together and, and help them do stuff, trade a motor, build a motor for a pickup, whatever it took. But that, that's the community you grew in, you grew up in. You, you helped each other. You helped your neighbor. So it's just always been with, with Grandmother Patty, with my Grandmother Owens, my mom's mother, um, with the churches that we went to, the Methodist church there and, and, and Level Cross and then Randleman. Um, it was just being a part of a community because you helped each other. And like I said before, our community just extended to here, you know, and I, I've said it when we built a camp um, and when Adam's accident happened, you didn't realize how big your community was yeah. until you realized that your community was in this garage area, but it encompassed the fans too. Um, and that community reached out and gave us something. They gave us something back with Victory Junction. They gave these kids something back. So it's just always been a part of, of who our family was, um, was to try to help other people and when Adam's accident happened, it came back Happiness. 10 million fold, 10 million fold, yeah. and continues to this day. So that just feeds that spirit to give more. Well, Kyle and Richard, thanks so much for sharing all of your stories here tonight. And we can't wait to see each of these installations as we uh, travel around the country this year. Thank you. And I, I know I know y'all just had us here for a long time because qualifying's not until 8 o'clock and y'all are killing time. Um, but thank you, guys. Thank yeah. you for having us I wanna, tonight. I want to thank all y'all people for making the Petty family yes. part of, of y'all's business, more, but making racing as big as what yeah. it is. Yeah, for sure. Without the press, TV, and all that stuff, uh, we'd still be working on them plows, I guess. So yep. thank you, guys. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. You have a good week.